Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to MedterraCBD.com right now and enter discount code BigMXRadio15 to save 15% off every single one of your purchases. Medterra CBD makes some of the best CBD products on the planet. Zero THC. You will never fail a drug test thing, uh, on on uh, on the watch of Medterra CBD. They've got the cooling cream, which is fantastic. They have the, the, the 750 milligram, as well as the CBD plus melatonin. If you want to get some good uh, a great night's sleep, that stuff's fantastic. They got the tinctures, which is just straight CBD oil underneath your tongue. It's fantastic. It it makes you feel great uh, throughout the day. And to get your day going, there's the morning. CBD pills, the good morning pills from Medterra CBD, all of which you can get for 15% off by entering discount code BigMXRadio15 at MedterraCBD.com. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This is episode 736 of the BigMX Radio podcast, and we couldn't be more excited to be welcoming the great He's awesome on Twitter. He's a fantastic follow, and he's a huge motocross fan. Has been ever since the 90s, back when MC was ripping it up. He hails from Texas, and he's now making his Big MX Radio debut. Raw Dog, how's it going? Going good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for making some time for us on this beautiful day. I imagine that uh, your given name is probably not Ron Dog; it's probably something else. So maybe let's get uh, let's get a little bit of background story behind the nickname and the guy that they call Ron Dog. Uh, yeah, my uh, my actual name is uh, Ronnie Floyd. Uh, right. The nickname kind of came from a, a friend of mine that I used to ride dirt bikes with. It just kind of happened one time just called me ron dog and it just kind of sort of stuck over the years so i just kind of ran with it on twitter there you go so yeah like the ron dog uh, it's it's that's uh, a pretty common sort of like a uh i liken that to sort of a hockey nicknames is usually your the first syllable of your last name and the letter y so it was like gebby was pretty much uh uh automatic when it came to uh, to nicknames and stuff like that growing up ron dog's a cool one and i see you on twitter all the time you're very active within the the, the twitter motocross community uh communicating with all kinds of people and I, I love the the little twitter verse that we have in the sport of motocross because everyone is so accessible you'll like i on a weekly basis i'm sure you get a tweet reply from a guy like will hahn which uh there in no other sport could you have uh such so much access, accessibility to uh to these athletes and in a lot of ways i got to imagine that's uh sort of why you decided to start your own podcast and the fact that uh a lot of these guys are are kind of at your t- fingertips when it comes to social media uh given the size of the sport yeah, it's it's a it's great access there on the social media. Sometimes it might be a little too much access with the uh, with some of the stuff we saw recently with like Dylan Ferrandis and the Christian Craig incident. But for the most part, it it helps us uh, normal people, if you will, be able to uh, interact with some of the the pros and the the superstars as well as, well as uh, fellow fans. And that's really where my podcast came from. Is you know there are a lot of people from inside the industry, and I'm just a fan of the sport. So I thought I'd give my fan perspective of what we see from the riders and the races each week, what we love and and the things that we kind of think we would like to see changed a little bit. Absolutely. And we'll we'll get to the the full story of how you started your podcast. But in a lot of ways, um, I I don't know if any of you feel this way, but I certainly did, that when it comes time, like like all, all of us are 
Like diehard fans are diehard fans when it comes to motocross. We read the articles, we listen to the other uh, episodes of the other podcasts. We take in as much information as we can, and we make an informed opinion. And then we bring that informed opinion to the tailgates and the message boards, and we're talking about it. And more often than not, those conversations are both uh, are are not only pretty informed, but a lot of times they're pretty hilarious. Uh, So that's basically that was one of the reasons why. I wanted to start the podcast and the, my podcast in the first place is because uh, when me and my buddies get together, we're talking about moto. We're, we're talking shit about this guy and that guy and this race and that that this different jump combination. And it turns out to be something that hey, if you recorded that, it would probably turn out to be some pretty damn good audio. You do that, like the two of us are basically having a tailgate conversation right now. We're just separated by about twelve uh, a twelve hour drive of uh, of grassing uh, grassy prairie. Uh, but uh, I think it's pretty cool that you can get people together. You can discuss uh, the races or the point system or the or the, the, the like the the points breakdown for how the the point series is going so far and all that fun stuff. And uh, you can come out with something that people are are more than happy to listen to. And uh, and I've been I've I've been loving it, man. The the the, the success. That the podcast has had the people that I've gotten to meet and the fans that seem to enjoy it so much. It's uh, it's a really cool way to uh, sort of give back to the sport a little bit and also bring me that much closer to the sport that I love. It really is, and it's it's been a it's been a privilege and an honor to to be a part of. It, as you said, there really is a, a strong uh, moto community, and uh, yes. you know you get some very very uh, great and deep conversations, whether it be about specific riders that people love or hate, or if it's around about specific races. You know, I love to look at some of the old races growing up in the 90s, and I've had some great conversations and stuff I forgot that people bring back to memory. It's just like, oh, man, I remember that. I was there. You know, so this community is really, and it, it's such a, a welcoming community, too. I'm yet yes. to run into someone that's just like they don't, you know, I've seen other types of communities on social media. And it seems like they get a little snubby-ish or, you know, they don't like new people. But, I mean, the community is very open in the moto world, and I really enjoy that. For sure. The motocross community, tight-knit group, uh, I don't think – I think we can all, uh, like, identify with that that uh, all-too-common story of the first time you go to a motocross track, you don't know too many people. Uh, about five minutes in, you've forgotten some sort of tool or someone else has forgotten a tool, and they come over to your truck – they chit chat. You get talking to the people next to you. By the day, by the time the day is done, you've created a lifelong friendship with some of these people, uh, and uh, and and you're you're driving out, and you get a wave or a head nod from literally everybody that you pass because there's that that uh, sort of uh, common bond and that respect level of the people that uh, go ahead and do the sport. And the reality is that we're all out there. Uh, riding to the best of our ability. I'll, hey, like I'm not going as fast as Eli Tomac. Neither are you. But we're all sort of doing our best out here, and that's one of the most special things about motocross. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, you know, you you just you have to respect those who do it. You know, it's just such a passion of mine. And and no matter whether you're the fastest guy on the track, or the slowest guy on the track, you know, we respect each other for getting out there and just doing it. Fair enough. So I ask you this: Where do you fall in that uh, uh, that sense of mastery when it comes to motocross? You'd mentioned that you're a two-stroke guy. You don't race race or ride as much as you used to. But uh, in in Ron Dog's heyday, uh, where would you end up on a? Uh, what class did you ride? And were, were you a mid-pack guy? Or were you leading the pack? I actually uh, never got the chance to test uh, test the waters. Uh, 
I did a lot of free track days and stuff like that, but I never okay. actually lined up for a race back in the day. Uh, my parents were a little too worried about me getting into and getting injured. So I was pretty much in my 20s before I actually set foot on a real track. But uh, I enjoyed riding in the desert. And, you know, we had a bunch of makeshift tracks and stuff around where we would, would ride on. But, yeah, I never got to never got to line up on the gate, never got to stare people down and try to race that first turn. But I, I've enjoyed watching it for sure. And I respect anyone who's got the guts to, to drop that clutch when that gate drops. Fair enough. So if you were if you were maybe a a, uh, a wishful racer, who are some of the guys you looked up to? Obviously, you're from Texas, uh, so you you would have had some uh, some some fast guys to look up to. But uh, when the gate dropped on Saturday, who are you cheering for to win back in the day? Back in the day, um, I actually was uh, uh, raised in California, and I okay. actually lived uh, next to a couple pros. Uh, I was a couple cities over from guys like Mike Kudrowski and Damon Huffman from back no in the day. No big deal. So they were the hometown heroes. And uh, I, mean, I used to watch. Uh, my best friend actually had a house right across the freeway from Mike Kudrowski. And we used to sit there and just watch him turn laps. He had a big old practice supercross track in his front yard right off the 14 freeway there in California. We used to watch the him, Huffman, Casey Lytle from time to time. Those were the guys I grew up watching. There you go. So those that is like you're right in the thick of things here. It's easy to fall in love with motocross. Hey, even in Canada, it's easy to fall in love with motocross. You just go and go and watch it. But uh, if you're down in California with all those guys at your beck and call, it's pretty easy to fall in love with the sport. And uh, you certainly did. So uh, um, were you able to go to a, a number of supercrosses back in the day? Uh, that's certainly one of the uh, the biggest benefits from living down in in socal or even even if you're living in norcal the the it's it's awfully a whole lot closer than the 30 hour drive to uh california for me yeah uh we have the advantage in california i think we have a total of five out of six of the first uh west coast rounds usually Usually, every year somewhere in the stretch of california um i've actually since 1993 my dad took me to my first supercross as a kid and I think with the exception of 97 or 98, I've gone to one every year. Wow, that's impressive. That is that is a, a, a great streak. And you've certainly seen uh, a lot of the greats, um, the, the Carmichael's of the world, the uh, the McGrath's of the world, the James Stewart's of the world, all of like those those different storylines, uh, some Euros coming over and making some noise and, and, and all that fun stuff. So you've got, I guarantee you've got uh, a, a good amount of memorabilia and uh, and even more memories to go along with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of memories and, and a lot of memorabilia. And, and I just keep hoping to keep adding more of these new guys, man. They take it to the next level. Fair enough. Well, uh, there's there's a, f- a few guys uh, that I think can think of. There's one one that happens to live. I think he's in Georgia. Uh, that he's got a, or one of the more ridiculous uh, collections. Uh, happens to have a lot of uh, Michael Lessie stuff as well. But um, the reason why we had you on the podcast to begin with is because you yourself are a podcast owner operator. You've been doing it for a, a number of months now, uh, dipping your toes in and uh, and doing a fantastic job of it. Uh, anyone who's willing to uh, Put the like basically take the uh, opportunity to uh, test their metal, uh, test their motocross knowledge, and honestly just put yourself out there. Uh, is I can definitely have the hats off to those people, and uh, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show, man. You're you're an exciting uh, uh, guy to follow on Twitter, and someone who's uh, always trying to give back to the community. And uh, so, tell me why you wanted to start your podcast. Tell me a little bit more about it. 
Well, the podcast really came from me just having to, uh, or not having to, but wanting to have an avenue to be a part of the community. Um, like I said, I've moved to Texas for work, and I, I travel a lot with work and construction, so I haven't had a bike for a few years. But I still go to the races. I still watch every race. So I started getting involved in Twitter. And as I got involved with, you know, different writers and yourself and other people on Twitter, you know, I started seeing it. A lot of people are doing podcasts, and I don't want to say anyone's done a bad job. Everyone does a great job on their podcast. Everyone does a better job than I do right now. But it just—I always felt like, oh man, I would—I I want to add this to it, or I wanted this. So I just said, you know what? I want to do my own podcast. And again, like Why I said, not? I respect and there's no everybody. barrier to entry. Literally, nothing stops you from having a podcast. Anyone who's listening to this, you could have a podcast. Uh, by the end of the night, if you have ten bucks to sign up for like a hosting of a website, that's pretty much all you need. Exactly, exactly. So and yep. it just—it gave me that opportunity to to put my voice out there. I mean, you love it or hate it, you know. I have an opinion, and I just wanted to to share it with everybody else. Fair enough. So, uh, so what you're saying basically is you heard how uh, how how bad. Uh, Dark Side is at his podcast, and you're like, if he's got a podcast, I can have one too. And now here you are. Yeah, I ain't gonna hate on Dark Side. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just fucking. No, he we the, love he Dark Side. Hate. He don't need no hate comms from me. Oh um, yeah, I respect just, him for I, what I, he does. Like you said, anyone who's willing to put themselves out there, you know, you're always oh. gonna have those set of haters. But you know, I respect the hell out of him for what he's done, what he continues to do. And he's one of uh, one of many who have motivated me to just finally get out there and do my own. Absolutely, one of the most supporting supportive guys that you'll talk to within the industry is uh, uh, is Dark Side. He, that guy is just good people uh, when it comes to the, the sport of motocross. The sport's full of those people, of course. But uh, um, so you got, I think you basically you kind of got your feet wet by previewing the uh, the series, both uh, the two fifties and the four fifties, and then you've moved forward from that. Um, what, what would people find, uh, come to find if they go to listen to your podcast, what type of content do you look to put out there? And, uh, are you looking to also do a lot of interviews and, uh, some having some mechanics on and stuff like that? What is it that you, you're after as far as making content for this? Um, obviously I'd love to be able to get to a position to, uh, be able to interview writers, mechanics, team managers, and so on. Uh, right now, I just kind of give a little race recap of the races. From, uh, pick a class, start at the 250s, go through the heat races, LCQs, or like in the case of last week in Glendale, all three main events. And then I take like the top 10 riders, and I just kind of give a quick, what I call my positives and negatives for each rider. You know, how, you know, as a fan, this is what I saw. As a fan, you know, this this impressed me as a fan, you know, someone like Cooper Webb really struggled in the whoops last night, you know? And so yes. that's a negative, but I struggled you know, but at the same, same time, try not to be, you know, I'm not trying to criticize anyone. They're obviously a whole hell of a lot better on a bike than I am, but you know, I give more of a, a race recap, but I would love to get into getting to know some people and doing some interviews. Absolutely. And that, that adds a little bit of a layer to, to what you'd be doing, but uh, certainly not outside the realm of possibility. Um, so, uh, like, basically, like, having, doing a full review, basically, uh, at this point, your podcast is basically, uh, a, a fan's point of view, some of the things that stood out to you, and, uh, it's really exciting uh, to sort of, 
pick apart the races, uh, the different sections of the track or certain areas that you happen to notice people having a hard time with, certain things that other guys were using to their advantage, and uh, and having a, a trained eye like yourself, you're able to pick out those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, um, and that's that's what's fun about actually going to the races. You can get a, you can see a lot more than you do on TV. Sometimes the cameras jump around a lot on TV, but for the most part, that's all we have to to work with. But yeah, it's fun seeing. Like I love to sit during practices. I love yes. to sit there and I can look at a track and have a general idea of here's how the fast line's going to be. And then I like to see, am I right? Who's the first person that's going to pull that big? triple quad combo or or you know how are the ruts developing because you don't really notice the ruts so much on tv like you do when you're down there in person and that's the other thing i love is these new gopro cameras that they keep showing the riders in the main events man that really gives you a, a great perspective on what the riders are looking at on the track too yeah, no, absolutely. That is uh, very invaluable. Those uh, those GoPro cameras, uh, just to see, like, you, like it's one thing to see a guy uh, link the jump combinations together. It's another to then see their perspective when you see uh, ten ruts up the face of a jump. That uh, I, I wouldn't set, send that that jump face ten feet, and those guys go sixty, seventy through the air, no problem. Yeah, for sure. So, um, the, the podcast, how many episodes do you have out so far? Well, right now, unfortunately, due to a, uh, an issue with the title of the podcast, I've had to take out and take down the, the five episodes I had up. So we will be launching the first episode, uh, this, uh, Thursday morning. Fair enough. So, uh, this podcast obviously coming out right now is Tuesday, Wednesday, um, like, there's a good chance that the, a lot of the people that will be listening to this will be listening to this about 12 to 15 hours prior to your podcast coming out. So, uh, um, what can, what, like, or then they might be listening to it on Thursday. So, what are they going to be looking for? What are they subscribing to, uh, when the time comes? Uh, I think we can probably drop that name, uh, right about now. Well, the podcast is the Dented Pipe Podcast. I currently host it off of the Podbean app. I am okay. working on trying to get a website up so it's more universal for people and they don't have to download a free app to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's just going to be a recap of uh, Glendale, uh, the Triple Crown, some fun facts I've come across. You know, like, here's a fun fact. Ken Roxon is the first 450 rider to win all three main events in the history of the Triple Crown. And just little things like that, you know, review the races, what I thought of the riders, areas they did good in, struggled in, what my favorite parts of the track were, and some of the combinations guys were pulling through the jumps and rhythm sections. There you go. So um, an informed perspective on uh, one of the more exciting races of the, the 2020 season so far. Uh, and, and, and with that, I ask you, uh, what have you liked so far? To, uh, 450 class has been extremely competitive. You've got, uh, you've got three different winners in four races. Uh, unfortunately, you had Ken Roxon just sweep them all this last weekend, but that was pretty impressive in and of itself. Um, currently holds a, a narrow points lead, eight points right now over Eli Tomac. Uh, what do you see from these two guys, man? It's pretty impressive. Uh, I'm impressed with Ken Roxon. I actually had said in my first Supercross preview that I no longer was saying he was on a comeback. He is back after completing a full 2019 year. You and so far, that. it seems to be proving me right. Um, I will say this though, 
as good as Ken Roxon looks, Eli Tomac has set him up in a great position compared to the last three years where he's been coming out of January. Only eight points back, usually he's double digits. So he does yeah. not have to cut down nearly as far the deficit that he has in the past. And if he can link together a couple more rides like he did at Anaheim 2, these boys are going to be in a lot of trouble. I totally agree. That was one thing that I mentioned on on my show was that uh, we're, Eli, we're used to Eli having, like you said, 15, 20 points back sometimes coming out of California and having to, to rip off like six races just so that he can have, be within swinging distance of the points lead. Uh, right now, he has 12 points on last year's champion, and he's uh, he's got uh, six, uh, six points on uh, on the 2018 champion. And between you and me, I don't uh, think that uh, there's a huge threat in uh, Justin Barsha winning this championship. And uh, and with with Adam Cincerello having some consistency issues, uh, until Adam is a perennial or a, a week-in, week-out uh, podium threat, it's kind of a table set for two with uh, with Eli and Ken. So And with, uh, with a tight race like that, I like... I like uh, Eli Tomac's chances right now. Obviously, he's got to he's got to put more wins up on the board. But like you said, he's looking about as good as he has in the last four years uh, coming out of uh, California. He's got and still has two races in California left to go. I totally agree with you, but I will say this: I would not sleep on Jason Anderson right now. He's the only 450 rider to finish inside the top five all four rounds. So That's you true. can't afford to give up any more bad rounds. His consistency which is what he used in 2018 is what's going to keep him in there till the end. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree that. And that's why we're in for a hell of a series. My friend, um, Ken Roxon holding the points lead back to back weekends, uh, extending it this last weekend. Uh, of course, his closest competitor nipping at his heels, but, uh, um, that can easily get flipped on its ear, uh, with, with how the ebbs and flows of the series go. Um, so, uh, who who else has sort of uh, kind of stood out to you a little bit? I, I kind of look to a guy like Brayton, who a lot of people thought wasn't going to be able to uh, sort of rekindle the uh, performances of, of yesteryear. Currently sitting in seventh in points and uh, uh, and, and got a sixth this last weekend. Malcolm Stewart looks to be uh, as fast as he ever has been. Maybe not. Uh, maybe lacks a little bit on the fitness um, aspect of things. Uh, just, just that's never been a strength of his. Um, but yeah, like currently those guys are uh, outperforming current uh, factory riders like Zach Osborne, Aaron Plessinger, uh, Dean Wilson, and uh, and Justin Bogle, who are all on, uh, and Blake Baggett for that matter, who are all on factory equipment. That's very true. That is very true. Um, Baggett's one. I felt sorry for him when he when he was trying to battle with uh, Ken there at A two, and he went down because he looked like he was on rails like in twenty nineteen. So. But um, I would also keep an eye on Dean Wilson. Dean Wilson's been lurking around the top ten, and as he's getting stronger and stronger from his hip injury, I think he's going to keep climbing up. Malcolm and Brayton are doing kind of what I expected them to do. I kind of wanted a little more out of Brayton in the triple crown because those were kind of the formats of the overseas races during the off season. He just killed it out there. So I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, but Brayton's always a safe bet for your uh, pulp MX fantasy. 
Fair enough. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes, I was able to uh, overtake you this last weekend, my friend. Uh, no longer am I uh, uh, in in your rearview mirror. I now sit in seventh in the Big MX Radio League, uh, where you are uh, currently holding down the tenth spot. So uh, uh, you got to get your homework done, man. Yeah, I uh, I. I listened too much last week to the uh, experts, and I should have should have should have spread it out a little better. I didn't take Craig. I, I didn't I didn't like Craig whatsoever. I don't know why. I just thinking like, hey, yeah, he's due for a good one, but he's also had two extremely bad nights. Like that type of inconsistency is nothing. Something like he's got to sort of you got to show me a little bit. Let's see, get some uh, some Missouri actions, like the Show Me State. You got to show me a little bit. Prior and uh, did you pick him? You can tell me. Yeah, I picked him. I thought he was going to be on fire after what happened the week before, and uh, I'm also a little disappointed though. I, I've never been able to find out what actually happened to him. They just showed him on the ground. I guess he's got a a boxer's fracture in his hand. Yeah, basically that's like one of the metatars metacarpals in your hand. Uh, it's across. I think it's across the basically around where the pinky is um and it's it's near the like sort of near the wrist joint it's it gets sort of just crushed from an impact and uh yeah it basically it's just rest is it's what's needed to to fix that yeah. um i didn't see how he crashed though they don't they didn't have any footage of that there was actually a number of crashes that they didn't have footage of uh from last, this last weekend uh and that was a bummer like the uh it's it's totally become a three horse race in the 250 class Forkner, Ferrandez, and Cooper. No one else has really been able to uh, challenge those guys. Of course, uh, Hartraft is in there in points and third right now with 77 points. But for all intents and purposes, um, like the only reason Brandon's been able to beat any of those guys over the last few races has been those guys beating themselves. Uh, so uh, right now, it's 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 the uh, all monster, but it's a it's a Kawasaki and a couple of Yamahas up front. Yeah, those uh, those so Yamahas are pretty quick. They they got some good speed. They're hard to run down. Um, I am happy though. It kind of seemed like we were getting a little bit of a runaway with Ferrandis having that first lap crash that got him a twelfth, and then Forkner going down in the whoops at A two. Now uh, now Justin Cooper's had a bad round, so it's kind of like reset. We got two races until we get the break to the East Coast, and the points are nice and tight again. So I'm excited about that. I hate seeing anyone have a bad race. But I'm excited that we got good racing. I almost get more excited for the 250 racing. It seems like that class is a little bit more stacked. But the 450s, I mean, when you got guys like uh, Reed, Osborne, and Plessinger all winners in a LCQ, I feel sorry for those uh, privateers this year. Yeah, no doubt. Like there is, uh, there is a ton of of talented riders in this class right now, going all the way back to uh, the back half of the top 20. Like you look at like guys like and they're about to leave the series, but uh, you got Tanti and Wilson. Those guys are top flight guys from from uh, from Australia coming over. Um, uh, Costello's had a solid start to the season. Um, Wageman's on a smaller team, but he's still having an amazing uh, start to the season. You got Auberson, who's uh, who's a new acquisition to the AJE uh, Gas Monkey team. He's been fantastic. He's literally uh, right in behind another Husqvarna in Carson Brown. Um, yeah, it, it's been, it's been, uh, tough sledding for full privateers like Lieb, Kelly, uh, as well as, uh, Mitchell Falk, 
who uh, like you, you would have thought that he'd be a little bit further up, but uh, it just hasn't been the case. Same thing with guys like Cheyenne Harmon, Ludovic McClaire, who's from France. Um, like it, it just hasn't been a lot of room for those guys to get in there just because there's so much top-flight talent at the beginning of this class. Yeah, that, that's for sure. And there's a lot of guys up front that are, are amazing at start. So when you start in the back, it's that much harder to get to the front. Fair enough. Like, in my opinion, like, I don't know, like, it kind of depends on, uh, where you're going to get the support from. But if you're, if you're a privateer, are you just, like, doing everything possible to get on a Yamaha? Cause that just, that, that, it seems <laughs> to be, like, the, the, the bike to get on as far as, uh, like, the, the, the privateers are considered. Like, they just, it's such a great package to begin with. Well, from what I hear, the, uh, the, the showroom Yamahas come pretty well ready to race out of the box. Um, I think a little more than say the Hondas do. So I think a lot of privateers go that way because then it's less money that they got to put into and tuning it as much as they can as a privateer. But, uh, I'll tell you, blue crew is on it this year. There are more blue bikes on the track than uh, any other color right now. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, my good friend, uh, Mike Ulrich and, uh, and Dave Derringer over at Yamaha, those guys are, are, are huge supporters of Supercross. And uh, and, and uh, Mike, nice enough to do an interview with me a couple of years back when their 65 came out for the very first time. Um, so in, in only a few weeks' time, it Arlington Supercross, the Dallas Supercross, will come back uh, to us. And I'm excited about that because I love that stadium. I, I just For some reason, Dallas always seems to stick out to me. It's, it's usually a good race. It's it's there's uh, usually some drama. There's this. There's that. And also that'll be your uh, first and only race attending uh, for 2020. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a ton of storylines that develop from from there from from where we're at now to when uh, that Supercross shows up. But what are you looking forward to most when uh, when Supercross comes to town? Well, one thing for sure, it's the uh, second round of the Triple Crown. So go. I'm going to look forward to that. being able to see all, I've been to a all few the top super, guys uh, out there. Good. Yeah, I went to the one in Houston last year, and it was a lot. Of, that was my first Triple Crown in person. And I really wasn't too big of a fan of them at first watching on TV. But when you're there live, you get to see the best riders on the track more than you do any other night. So it's yes. a lot of fun. They are better I'm, live, I'm really aren't looking they? forward to that. And it also provides an opportunity for uh, not necessarily a huge swing in points, but a swing in points. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, um, the only thing I don't like about the uh, the Triple Crown, and maybe you can agree with me on this, and maybe not, but like when it comes to like like I'm I'm used to seeing that like when a guy has a bad race, like it's it's detrimental to their night. Whereas now, if say a guy goes uh, 10, 22, 9, he ends up like thirteenth overall. Which like isn't mm-hmm. that bad of a result, or and 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 similarly, like a guy can have like uh, go two four eighteen for like seventh overall, which is again not that bad of a night. So like it just seems kind of like the um, like it's it's almost less uh, less pressure than than what you'd expect because like there's there's room for error like you can have a bad race and still come back from it because there's a good chance that someone else is going to have a bad race obviously this last weekend there's you can't do any better than one 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 but um 
like just with the way the Olympic scoring works, like you usually actually get a quite a big separation uh, in points uh, at the end of the night. Like a, a guy can uh, can have some wiggle room at the end, and then what you have in the 250 class where a guy's like, oh, I can get third and still win. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, and then you got Austin Forkner doing heel clickers 13 seconds back, sitting in third place. Yeah, you hit that nail on the head. That is true. Austin Fortner did say he was doing the math on that third one, and he hoped Ferrandis wouldn't catch Cooper, and that's how it played out. Yeah, but, uh, it's a good what gamble I like on his part. I think, yeah, it kind of was, because Ferrandis, I'll tell you this, if Ferrandis can get his starts together, ain't no one going to touch him. He'll be the Fortner of 2020, because he has been the fastest guy. He consistently has the fastest lap in the main event, and he consistently has the fastest overall average lap time for a main event so if he can get out of that gate and i was impressed he actually had a few good starts in a couple of these races here in glendale at the triple crown but if he can do that on a regular basis with that 15 minutes plus one lap and be fifth or sixth off the line um i think uh, he's going to be the guy to beat actually yeah, I, I think you're 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 onto something there, and uh, it's uh, it, the the consistency, the speed is there, and uh, he's making something special happen uh, week in week out. And this is a short series. Uh, no no guy has really laid claim to it so far. But if someone can start ripping off wins, um, it's gonna get uh, it's gonna get uh, pretty serious pretty quick. So um, what what are your predictions for the rest of the series, both two fifties and four fifties? Go. Oh man, you can put me put on, you the on the spot. spot. Put you on the spot. Boom. Um, like, you are not wait, ready for that. Top three, top three, both classes or uh, both both uh, CCs. Yeah, yeah. Give me top I'm gonna three. Go, I'm going to go with for the 250 West. I'm going to give it to Ferrandis and I'm going to put Austin Forker second and Justin Cooper third. Fair enough. For the 450s. I say the way they stand right now is is what we're going to get. We're going to get Roxon, Tomac in a close second, and I think Anderson's going to squeeze in there in third. Okay, so you, you're you're uh, similar to me. You think that uh, that Barsha continues to sort of fall off a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if he does. It's sort of like uh, his results have literally gone uh, win second, five, uh, seventh. And then a fifth, so he's sort of slipping back further and further as we go along. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think you're right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna switch out your your uh, your 450 winner for Eli Tomac. I think that uh, by the end of the series, he just somehow finds a way. I don't know why I feel that way. I just do. Maybe I want that to happen. Maybe I'm just tired of uh, people talking about him not getting one. I think he finally gets that done. And I think uh, this might be Austin Forkner's uh, year on the on the the. Uh, the 250. Uh, obviously, it should have been last year with the uh, before the knee injury. Uh, although he had those those crashes, I think he was uh, dead set on uh, winning a championship there. Uh, I think that um, barring injury, he's he's your fastest guy uh, every single weekend. I think that uh, he, he's a little bit puck shy uh, of of actually just totally uncorking the lap times he's capable of after coming off that knee surgery. But uh, if he's feeling it. There's not too many guys that can go as fast as Austin Forkner, so I'll, I'll take both of your uh, your top threes as very similar, but I'll switch out your uh, your overall winner. So uh, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's that's uh, it, we're, we're both uh, smart individuals so far. 
sounds good to me. I agree with everything you said. It, 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 for the 450s, for me, it's really hard because it's going to be a shame if either Roxon or Tomac don't get that championship. So, you know, it's like it, either way, whichever one wins, I'm going to be happy. I'm still riding the web wagon, but but I can live with those two. You are riding your web wagon. I noticed that. You're, that's uh, that's your current avatar on Twitter. Uh, I got nothing but respect for that. He's got to get his homework done, though, man. I think he's 20 points down, uh, in, currently sitting in fifth. Uh, does, he's got he's got two podiums, but he needs to be uh, he needs to be at the top step to start making up points on those guys. Yeah, he he's got a couple weeks. He's got to really wick it up these next couple weeks before we leave California because. At this point is when he caught fire last year, and with those two Roxon and That's right, running actually. the way they are, he's going to need another seven wins like he did last year to have a chance at this. Right, and like going into Oakland, uh, Cooper Webb has historically been good at Oakland. 2018, uh, giving Eli all he could handle in uh, at Oakland, and then uh, last year, did he not uh, end up winning that race, uh, passing uh, Marv? I think. Yes, I believe he did. There you go. So, like, uh, if if you're playing Pulpamex Fantasy and you've got some points to make up, like Ron Dog, you might have to uh, put your uh, maybe. Maybe that's a good All Star pick. What do you th- What do you think about that? I'm definitely gonna be looking hard at at Cooper Webb. I gotta remember. I might have taken him as my. Actually, he was a four All Star last week, so I might have burnt him on the Triple Crown. I did but actually. If he's I, available, I did, I did as well. If he's available, I will be taking him. Fair enough. Fair enough. He's not available for me, but uh, I hope that for those who are, uh, you take him because I think he's going to do well. Maybe and maybe that uh, call comes out to comes back to bite me, but uh, we shall see. Uh, Ron Dog, this has been an awesome opportunity for to have you on the podcast. I think we should definitely do this again sometime if uh, if you don't mind uh, coming on my podcast every once in a while. I like the insight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor, and uh, I'd be I'd be more than uh, thrilled to come back anytime you wanted me. Awesome, man. Well, uh, um, again, where can people on Thursday find your podcast? Really excited to send people over there to, to get your insight. Um, and also, uh, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, like I said earlier, you're a great follow on uh, on Twitter. Uh, the best way to uh, to get to my podcast is you can either follow my personal account at Ron Dog Racing, or you can follow the podcast account on Twitter at Dented Pipe Podcast. And uh, every week when the race is posted, I post it on the Twitter, a link to it on the Twitter for the Dented Pipe Podcast, and I like it and retweet it with my personal Ron Dog Racing. Uh, Twitter account. Otherwise, it is on Podbean. It's a free app you can download, and you can search Dented Pipe Podcast, and you should see a zoomed-in picture of a 95 RM250 with a bunch of dents in its pipe. Henceforth, the name of the podcast. There you go. Putting those uh, dents in those two-stroke pipes. Uh, as uh, Donnie Amler Jr. said, they are a wear item. So uh, they, they put a lot of miles on those things. Well, Ron Dog, it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We'll definitely call you up again sometime to uh, to do some quality bench racing. I appreciate you making some time for me tonight, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much. 
Awesome, man. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.